friends. Welcome back to the Love Your People Well podcast. We are actually starting today part one of a quick little mini series to answer the questions, what is mental health counseling? And if I need it, how do I connect with a great counselor? And you can all laugh with me a little bit that we are over 30 episodes into this podcast. And every single episode, I'm giving my little disclaimer, I am a licensed therapist, this podcast is not therapy, and somehow it has not occurred to me that I haven't done an episode about counseling, about actually, what is it? What does it mean to be a therapist, to go to a therapist? What should I expect in that process? That, I don't know, it just, it popped in my head lately and was just like a duh moment. Duh, Jessica, you need to talk about this. I have a page on the website and yet it had not clicked that a podcast is audio and a page on the website is not audio. And so anyway, my friends, we can all have a good laugh. Our brains are not what they used to be. At least mine isn't after having kiddos. Yet we are going to make things right. We are doing a quick little two-part mini-series to answer the questions, what is mental health counseling? When might it be helpful in my life? What sorts of counselors are available? Uh, What's the difference? A life coach, a psychiatrist, a, a biblical counselor, a therapist? What's the difference between all these different people? And if I want counseling, this is what we're gonna cover in part two, how do I connect with a great counselor? What can I expect from the counseling process? This is a lot to cover, but I am super excited about this conversation. So my friends, no more introduction necessary. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Love Your People Well podcast, where we help women grow godly relationships, grateful hearts, and grace-filled lives. I'm Jess, and I'm a marriage and family therapist, a Christian, a wife, a mom, and I believe that God creates us for relationships, relationship with Him and with each other. So if you're looking to love God well, to love yourself, your family, and those around you well, you're in the right place. Stick around, friend, and let's get started. Okay, okay. I am excited for part one of this conversation. And you know what? I am still going to start with my usual disclaimer. (laughs) I am a therapist, but um, this podcast is not therapy. None of the resources from Love Your People Well should be considered personal or professional advice. My goal with this podcast is to provide education, information, encouragement, and I certainly do hope that it is helpful. And let me add on to that as we're having this conversation about mental health counseling, what it is, how to get connected with a great counselor. I'm licensed in South Carolina. So that's in the US of A. And I know one of the awesome things about podcasting is that you might be listening to this anywhere in the world. We have um, quite a few listeners in Kenya and Vietnam. I mean, it is amazing what God can do with technology. But I'm fully aware that the process of seeking a mental health counselor is probably different depending on where you are located. And there's certainly are cultural considerations about when we think about mental health, when we think about relationship struggles. And so just take all of this with a grain of salt. I am coming from my experience as a 
white woman who is a mental health therapist in the U.S. And so that is the process that I'm familiar with. That's what I'm going to be talking about. But I definitely think a lot of the points that we're going to cover are going to be helpful no matter where you are, whether you've had counseling before, you've thought about counseling, you say, no way, Jose, I would never go in the door for counseling. Whatever point you are at, wherever you are, I still hope that this conversation will be helpful. What I want to talk about today in part one of this conversation is to talk about the five situations in life when many people start to think about going into counseling. And then I want us to talk about the types of counselors that are available. I'm using the word counselors in air quotes, you guys, because I want to talk about the differences between all the, all the terms, all the labels, all the names, what's a life coach, what's a family therapist versus a counselor. You know, we'll talk through um, some of those different terms that people throw around, kind of assuming we know what the difference is. We're actually going to talk about that today. But I don't want to jump there. I want us to start by looking at the five situations that in my experience typically bring people into counseling. And I want to be clear right up front that if you, if I'm describing these situations and you're thinking, ooh, yes, that's me, I fall into that that camp, that bucket over there, that does not mean, my friends, that you are required to get counseling if you're gonna get help, if you're gonna get healing, if you're gonna experience change or reconciliation. Counseling can be a really helpful process for a lot of people, but it is not a requirement for you to be healthy and whole and happy. First and foremost, turn to the Lord. That is what I want to highlight. I know I'll come back to that again and again, but I don't want you to feel um, obligated to get mental health counseling just because you might be struggling in whatever situation is going on in your life. And I also want to acknowledge that it is scary to start counseling. It takes courage, it takes vulnerability, and that's up to every individual person of when you think you are ready to start the process. So with all of that in mind, I do wanna walk through these five common situations that bring people into counseling, but I want us to be clear upfront that these situations do not require counseling for you to um, experience change and healing, And I fully recognize that it takes courage and vulnerability to start the counseling process. And so I want you to feel as safe and comfortable with the idea of counseling as possible. And let's just go into this with an open mind. Okay, situation number one that regularly brings people into counseling is when people find themselves facing an unexpected and difficult life circumstance. That might be an individual circumstance. Uh, Maybe you lose a loved one and so you're dealing with grief or you have a career change and you start questioning, who am I? What's going on? What's my purpose? Or it might be a relationship circumstance. Um, If infidelity has occurred or if our child has gotten arrested for a behavior, um, some sort of unexpected and difficult situation has arisen, we don't feel like we can handle it on our own or with our current resources, that often leads people to counseling. Situation number two, experiencing an emotional or relationship struggle. This would be something like you start to realize you're dealing with a lot of anxiety or panic attacks. Your relationship is having 
really poor communication and despite your best efforts, it is just not getting better. Now these are often connected to an unexpected and difficult life circumstance, but that is not a requirement. Plenty of people struggle with an emotional experience or a relationship experience, sometimes for years before seeking counseling. Um, But that is a really common thing that brings people through the door. The third situation that brings a lot of people to counseling is being diagnosed with a mental illness or being prescribed a medication for mental illness. You might be familiar with um, illnesses such as major depressive disorder, bipolar disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, Um, but there are actually hundreds of mental illness diagnoses that people can receive. Um, Right now at the time I'm recording this, so if you're listening to this live and in real time, the DSM-5, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for Mental Disorders, version 5 is what is guiding um, the mental health field today with what the diagnoses are, Um, but that will change in the future. It's already changed many times in the first five editions. We know it will change again in the future. But some sort of diagnosis Um, often brings people to counseling because a lot of doctors recommend there might be a medication protocol, but they often recommend um, some sort of talk therapy, mental health counseling along with the medication. The fourth situation that brings a lot of people to counseling is recognizing a need to heal from abuse or trauma, dealing with some sort of violence. Maybe it's in our present, a lot of times it's in our past, Um, That brings a lot of people into counseling so that we can process through and deal with what has happened to us and how it continues to impact our emotions, our thoughts, or our relationships. The fifth situation that brings a lot of people to counseling is dealing with risky behaviors, thoughts, or emotions. So these would be things like a drug addiction that takes a lot of people into counseling, suicidal thoughts or self-harm behaviors brings a lot of people into counseling, Um, addiction to pornography or video games, any sort of risky, certainly if it's repetitive behavior, um, a lot of people seek counseling at that point to break free from um, that cycle and to ensure their own safety. And my friends, I want to pause there because I mentioned suicide and I want to give you the same um, advice, the same direction that I give anyone when I was in a counseling center and people would call in to start counseling. If they were actively suicidal, I was not scheduling a counseling session with them. I was telling them, let's hang up. You need to call 911. You need to go to the hospital. You need to get immediate assistance so that we can make sure you are safe. And I want to say that to you right now, my friend. Uh, You would probably be surprised by how many people deal with thoughts about harming themselves. Um, If that's you, you are not alone. And if that is a current issue, then now is the time to hit stop on this podcast episode. Call 911. Now, I know I'm in the States. I don't know what your emergency protocol would be um, if you are in a different country Um, But reach out to the police or to the hospital, reach out to someone who can respond immediately to give you the help that you need. 
Here in the States, we also have a, um, a hotline that I recommend for people if you are in the moment or you think I might be or someone I love has talked about this. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is a really helpful resource. It's available 24-7, it's free, it's confidential. Um, I'll have the information in the show notes for this episode, but right here, right now, that phone number is one 800 273-8255. And if you are out of the country or you can't get to the phone right now, they have a website. You can even chat with people on the website, um, suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Again, click the link in the show notes if you need it. But I never want to mention suicide, mention addiction, mention those really serious safety concerns and just kind of fly by as if that's not a big deal. Um, That is what I would call situation five that regularly brings people into counseling. But if it is a current and immediate issue for you, a safety concern in the moment, don't delay. A lot of counselors, they can't see you the same day, the next day. Sometimes you have to wait a week or two or even longer, and you don't want to wait if it is an immediate safety concern. Okay, my friend, let's recap these five situations which again, they do not require counseling for you to experience healing, but they are really common situations that do bring people into the door for mental health counseling. Number one, unexpected and difficult life circumstances. Number two, emotional or relationship struggles, such as adultery, such as anxiety or loneliness, mental illness or being on a medication for mental illness, realizing a need to heal from abuse or trauma or some sort of really difficult situation in your past. And situation number five, experiencing risky behaviors, thoughts, or emotions such as addiction or suicide. So my friend, you might find yourself thinking, um, yeah, I've had difficult emotions in the past or I've had, had a really difficult childhood. And I am not at all saying you have to seek counseling. You may have thought about counseling and decided for a variety of reasons that that wasn't necessary for you or now is not the time. And that's fine. I would just put a little asterisk by that. If it is a safety concern, a repetitive, serious safety concern, definitely that is the time I would say you need to seek help. But first and foremost, we all need to be aware that we all, every single person, goes through trials and difficulties and seasons in life that are hard. And that doesn't mean that everyone has to get counseling to move through those seasons. It does mean that if you find yourself in that boat, in that situation, and you're thinking about counseling, that's totally normal. That is a really common experience. And the counseling process can be really helpful to find healing, to find hope, to grow, to experience restoration or reconciliation in a relationship counseling can be a really helpful tool in the process of recovery. So let's move into the conversation about the different types of counselors. I tend to use, personally, I tend to use the word counseling as kind of a catch-all because that's just the language that I typically use and I'm most comfortable with. But there are a variety of different types of mental health supports that are available. And again, I'm speaking from the perspective of the United States. I'm not confident of what exactly is available around the world or in different cultures. But let's talk through the most common 
um, supports that are available here in the state, people who I have interacted with over the course of my decade plus in the mental health field. First, I would start by describing pastoral support and pastoral care. The first line of defense for Christians should be reaching out to the local church. Pastors are called to preach the word of God, but my friend, they are also called to shepherd their flock, to shepherd the people of God. And I know uh, my husband is a pastor. He was a pastor for many years. He's been to seminary. I know that a lot of seminaries, they spend so much time focusing on how to study God's word and preach God's word, which is awesome and important. But sometimes they miss the boat and they don't provide a lot of training or preparation for the counseling side of the pastor role. So if you do reach out to your pastor and then you feel like, oh gosh, they just shuffled me off to a therapist, um, that's pretty normal. I actually am really encouraged when pastors support their people, whether they do it themselves or maybe they don't have the time or the depth of training necessary, and then they connect their people with someone else in the community who can provide that support. But pastoral care would typically occur within the church. Um, that would typically include a really heavy focus on the spiritual aspect of what's going on, reading scripture together, praying together, and possibly connecting you with local resources that can provide a level of care that the church, for whatever reason, might not be equipped or able to provide. You might be in a small church or a rural community or your pastor is crazy busy. <laughs> and so we have to be realistic about what can be provided. But that is a really great starting point anytime we find ourselves struggling. Then if we consider what is a counselor or a therapist, a psychotherapist, you might have heard any of these terms. Generally, I use these terms interchangeably. Counselors, therapists, we all offer basically the same services. There are some technical differences. We're not going to worry about those today. But your experience, whether you go to a mental health counselor or a uh, professional therapist, you know, anything in that, in that world that they might call themselves, the process is going to be very similar. There's an assessment, some goal setting, you talk through your concerns, and you probably try different action steps to find healing or change or growth. Typically, here in the States, counselors or therapists must be licensed with the state if they're going to call themselves a counselor or a therapist. Here in South Carolina, for example, I can only call myself a marriage therapist because I'm licensed by the state as a marriage therapist. So there is often a level of um, protection around what language is used and how people identify themselves. If they are licensed with the state, that means they've achieved a certain level of educational experience as well as practical experience, sitting down with clients and being supervised in that process to make sure that they are doing things ethically and appropriately. Okay, we move from there to think about a psychologist, that's with a G, psychologist or psychiatrist. I would put these in the same boat, even though they are different, <laughs> but these are the professionals who are able to prescribe medication for mental illness. So a psychologist leans heavily on detailed assessments which guide their treatment plan and they choose specific interventions based on what that assessment shows is necessary. A psychiatrist goes to medical school 
And typically they have very short sessions with their clients because they're more focused on medication management. They're not having like deep um, talk therapy, digging into emotions and all that sort of thing. So those are psychologists and psychiatrists. Then we would consider life coaches. Um, life coaches, at least at the time I am recording this, which is summer 2021, they typically have no regulation or licensing process in the Amer in, in the Americas, in the U.S., um, which basically means anyone can call themselves a life coach, a wellness coach, a mindset coach, a communications coach, a parent coach. I mean, you'll hear all sorts of fill-in-the-blank coaches, which just are telling you, I am someone who zeroes in on a specific area of life or a specific goal, and that's what life coaches do. They typically are not trained to dig into like the past or um, deep, deep anxiety or depression or some of those things, but they are there to help you with a specific goal, to deal with whatever's getting in the way of that goal, and to move forward and to see success with that specific goal. Um, now there, it might come a time in the future where they are regulated, they are licensed, um, but that has not happened at this time. And then the last category that I would highlight to give us some clarity around the terms and the type of professionals that are available is a pastoral counselor or what they might call themselves as a biblical counselor. Now these, uh, these are professionals who often focus similar to a counselor or a therapist. They're doing more, uh, talk therapy, what's the problem, what's the goal, let's kind of figure out what's going on and find some healing or find some change. The difference here is that biblical counselors focus exclusively on scripture. Uh, many times they are not licensed with the state, although they may get their own certification from a Christian-specific organization like the American Association of Christian Counselors. Um, but they typically are not pulling in interventions or assessments from the general mental health field. They are specifically focusing on the Bible and prayer, and, um, and that's where they stay. And so that is something to think about uh, when you think about, if you think about going to counseling, you think maybe professional counseling therapy might be helpful for you. As a Christian, it is worth considering how important is it to you that your counselor is also a Christian. Specifically, if you only want to look at what's happening biblically, open the Bible together, then you're going to want a biblical counselor. Now, they may not use that exact term. So part of it is just getting to know your counselor and finding out what's their background, what's their educational history, how do they um, think about change and how that can happen. Because I, for example, I am a Christian counselor, but I'm not what might be called a biblical counselor. I use the Bible. The Bible is the foundation for everything I do in the counseling room. But I am trained in the general mental health field and I pull in interventions that I believe are consistent with God's word, but not necessarily, you know, I can't point to a verse in scripture that would say, uh, use this intervention. And so that would be a more general Christian counselor. Uh, but there are some people out there who are specifically in the Bible and that is all they are pulling into the counseling session. I'm not saying that's better or worse. I'm just letting you know that is uh, different. So that's something 
as a Christian that you would want to think about. If you do decide that you want counseling, you're trying to connect with a counselor. Now in part two of this series, which if you're listening in real time, it's gonna come out on Friday. We will talk about my recommendations for how to connect with a counselor who is going to be a good fit for you, who's going to be able to help you with your your situation, your relationship. Um, But it's worth thinking about how much does it matter to you if that person is a Christian? Because there actually are a lot of Christians who seek help for an issue and uh, don't necessarily care if the Bible is pulled into session, if prayer is a part of session. Um, The main thing that I would highlight there is you want to make sure you are working with a counselor who is respectful of your Christian beliefs. They don't necessarily have to agree with you to be respectful of it. Um, But you definitely don't want to be connecting with a counselor and being vulnerable with them and trusting their advice if they are very negative about God and the Bible and things that you value very highly. So that is something to be aware of. Um, The difference between a mental health counselor who may be a Christian like myself and a biblical counselor who's going to zero in exclusively on the Bible. Okay, friends, so that that is part one of our conversation. Think about when might counseling be helpful and what are the different options available for support. And then in part two, um, we are gonna talk about how to connect with a great counselor and what to expect in those early sessions if you do decide to pursue counseling. I want to encourage you before we close out today to check out the Love Your People Well website because I have a number of resources there um, that are not necessarily specific to how do I get connected with a great counselor, um, but that may be really helpful with the situation you are facing. We've got conflict resolution resources, self-care resources, um, devotionals and spiritual guides, Uh, spiritual guides, spiritual growth (laughs) supports. Um, There's a number of different resources. It's loveyourpeoplewell.com. You can find um, a lot of information about the ministry, but definitely you can find some helpful resources, which if you're thinking about counseling, I would suggest checking it out because a lot of them are free um, and they might be a really good starting place for you. So with all of that in mind, my friend, that's all we're going to cover today. And I will see you back again for part two. Hugs and blessings to you. I'll talk to you soon. Hey friend, before you go, if this episode was helpful or encouraging for you, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a written review. It not only encourages me, it helps other women connect with this community. And you know what else? You have a chance right now to love your friends well. Copy the link to this episode and send it in a text to someone who you know needs to hear today's conversation. Or just take a screenshot, post it in your Instagram stories, and tag me at Love Your People Well.